of the book is because this shows us this is the purposes and plans of God. When you do not keep the word of God before you, you are going to be apt to make decisions that go against the word of God because you're going to go along with the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, or your own passions and emotions. But when you keep the word of God before you, all of a sudden the word of God hems you in. So he's like, when you go over, I want you to write this so everybody can see it. Studying God's word isn't a one-time thing. We need to seek his guidance again and again. In today's message, Pastor Daniel urges us to spend time in the Bible in order to keep us safely in God's plan for our lives. If we let that routine slip away, we'll be more likely to be seduced by the pleasures of the world. We can fall quickly, so it's important to dive into the Word each and every chance we get. With God's help, we can stay on track. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 27 with part one of his message, Blessings and Curses. All right, let's all open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy 27 as we begin what is going to be our very last series here in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I've entitled this series, Cause and Effect, and you all realize that every decision you make has an impact. Let me give you an example. If you were to choose to uh, binge watch your favorite series on Netflix, right? And you know how that goes if you're on Netflix and you start watching it and you don't shut it off right after the episode is over, the next episode starts, and then by the time you get like 13 seconds into the next episode, then you're hooked. And you know what happens is that you end up spending up all night, you watch like eight episodes of this show, but then what happens the next morning? You don't wake up to go to the gym. That's how that goes, right? And so the cause of binge-watching your favorite show on Netflix, that's the cause. And the effect is now you're tired when you wake up and you don't go to the gym and all this. And then, of course, once you start binge-watching episodes on Netflix, then you have to binge-watch the next night and the next night and the next night until you see everything that's there. Am I the only one who's like that? I'm the only one. Pray for me. But everything we do has an impact. That's the reality of it. Everything that each one of us does has an impact. And for the children of Israel, as they are about to go into the promised land, God wants them to know that every decision that they make is going to have some sort of an effect on their life. And really what it boils down to is that God desires so much for his children to have life and have it more abundantly that he is setting before each person and each one of us life and death. Blessings and cursings. But the reality is, is that we choose which one we experience. It's true for the children of Israel. It's true for you and I. Whatever decision you make in your life, whatever things that you do, you are going to experience the ramifications of that decision. I know it's not a lot of fun, but being created in the image and likeness of God, what we all find is that God allows us to make decisions, and he also allows us to experience the ramifications of those decisions. And for each one of us, right, we have a long list of, yeah, I made this decision, and this was the cause, this was the effect. 
This was the cause. This was the effect. This was the cause. This was the effect. And so this last series, right before the children of Israel are going to go in and receive their inheritance in the promised land, God wants to remind them that he sets before each one of them blessings and curses, and the choice is theirs. Now, here's the thing. If you had the opportunity for either blessings in your life or curses, which would you choose? Blessings, right? Like, I've never met someone like, yeah, I choose the cursing. That sounds so much fun. No, it's like nobody says that. But what's interesting is that what if I told you that God sets before each one of us blessings and curses? But oftentimes we don't choose the blessings. Isn't that weird? Like, I thought about that today. I thought back over my life and different things, and I thought to myself, why on earth would I ever not choose the blessings? I think the reason we do it is because we fail to realize that every decision we make has consequences. We don't think consequentially about things. The children of Israel definitely didn't. Do you remember? They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years at this point. But their journey from Egypt to the promised land should have only taken a couple weeks. 40 years. Why? Because of the decisions that they made caused a whole generation to be lost in the wilderness. So I wanted to place this out in front of us to start because I realized that for each one of us, there is life abundantly set before you or there is the effects of making decisions to live your life in a way that doesn't please God. And you will get the fruit of your decisions. Now, what's also important, and I want to put this out there up front at the beginning of this series, and I'm going to keep teasing it out, is that the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that God made with the children of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai, which is being reaffirmed here in the book of Deuteronomy, that was a conditional covenant, which means God has a part to play and the children of Israel have a part to play. And depending on what the children of Israel do, God will act in kind. You have to realize that if you are here today and you're in Christ, the new covenant is an unconditional covenant. See, the new covenant, this is the good news. This is why Jesus is better. He's the new and better Moses. And the reason he is is because in Christ, the foundation of the new covenant is that God knows that we have failed. God knows that you and I, left up to our own devices, are going to make the wrong decisions. But he's chosen to love us still, and he's chosen to indwell us by his Holy Spirit through faith. But our experience of the blessings of the new covenant still come based on the decisions that we make. See, in Christ, if you are here today and you are in Christ, then you have all that you need spiritually. But if you choose to live in rebellion against God, even as a Christian, you won't experience all the benefits of what it means to be in Christ. And many of us can attest to that, right? Where there's times in our life where we believe in Jesus, but there's areas of rebellion, and it's wreaking havoc on our lives. It's all of a sudden we feel like we can't really enjoy Jesus because we have the stuff going on, or this stuff is so tempting that it gets our eyes off of the Lord, and all of a sudden we find ourselves kind of over here. And what it does is it demeans our ability to experience the fullness of what God has for us. So even though the new covenant in Jesus' blood is new and it is unconditional, our obedience still plays a part in our experience of the covenant. And what I really want for us as a family, and for me personally, and for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, is that we would experience life and life abundantly that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again for. And what we do plays into that. Like, I realize that if I binge watch Netflix, 
I'm not going to get up for my devotions the next morning. And if I do get up for my devotions, I'm really going to not be very attentive. I'm going to be sleepy. And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch Netflix. That's not my point. But the thing is, is that if I want to have a deep, intimate relationship with God, I need to prioritize that. And the decisions that I make that de-emphasize that, I will experience the ramifications of that in my experience. And the same is true for you. So as we jump in in Deuteronomy 27, this final series in the Pentateuch, in the Torah, it's all going to be showing the contrast, the cause and the effect. So picking up in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 27, look at what it says here. It says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord God of your fathers promised you. Therefore, it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal, you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel saying, take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore, you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day. Now, this chapter is unique because if you notice, this isn't Moses speaking in the first person. This is, they're talking about Moses in the third person. And for a lot of people, you grew up hearing that the first part of the books of Moses, that Moses wrote them. One of the reasons some scholars don't believe that he did is for sections like this, where you're hearing about Moses. Notice what it says. Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying. All the way through Deuteronomy, we've been getting, Moses is saying, I said this, and I said this. And now what you have is you have Moses is being spoken about in the third person. So when people talk about this idea of there being different documents or sources, this is one of the reasons they get it. Now, someone's bound to ask, well, Fusco, what do you believe? And I say, I don't know. I know the text is inspired. I get why people hold both positions, and I don't think it really matters, personally. I think the Holy Spirit inspired the text, and so we're good to go. Anybody, Pee Wee Herman could have written it. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, everyone's going to be just fine. I'm pretty sure Pee Wee Herman has never been mentioned in this pulpit before. (laughs) That's a side note. I think what's also interesting about this is that for the one of the first times we have Moses and we have the elders included with it. And this most likely prefigures the fact that Moses is about to go home to be with the Lord, and the elders are going to be taking 
a more pronounced role. So although Moses has been the point person for what's been going on, now Moses is starting to step away and other people are starting to take prominence in the life of the children of Israel. But notice again in verse one, keep all the commands which I command you today and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall set up for yourself large stones and whitewash them with lime and you shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over that you may enter to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God promised to your fathers. So first, he says, be obedient. When you go over, be obedient. And what do I want you to do? I want you to take some large stones. I want you to whitewash them line. This was very common in Egypt, where they, when they wanted to write something, this was long before you can get vinyl billboards and all these things, they would whitewash stones with lime, and then they would write on them. And he's saying, I want you to have the law right in front of you. Why? Because we all need constant reminders, don't we? That's one of the greatest parts of this amazing book called the Bible, is that it is in black and white and red in some of your Bibles, letters, and it's very clear. And one of the reasons we need to be people of the book is because this shows us this is the purposes and plans of God. When you do not keep the word of God before you, you are going to be apt to make decisions that go against the word of God because you're going to go along with the world that we live in, the culture that we live in, or your own passions and emotions. But when you keep the word of God before you, all of a sudden the word of God hems you in. So he's like, when you go over, I want you to write this so everybody can see it. And so it's a beautiful thing. God wants that testimony. Now, I think it's also beautiful where What he also says here is he says, when you go over, I want you to set this up. And he keeps saying, the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God. And every time I read that phrase, the Lord, your God, because it's the word Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And when you find that in your translation, that's God's personal name. The, they call it the tetragrammaton, four consonants, the yud, the he, the vav, and the he. You guys got all that? You guys got your Hebrew down? Just, just write down, right? Yud, he, vav, he, and your friends will think you know Hebrew, but it's the I am who I am. Right? And then the Lord your God, that word God is the word Elohim, which is another, but notice in between it's the Lord who's God? Your God. And I love this because with God, it's always personal. See, God is not content to be the God of your parents or the God of your spouse or the God of your neighbor. He wants to be the Lord your God. It needs to be personal. See, that's the kind of God who created and sustains everything. That is the type of God who sent Jesus to die on a cross. A God who desires it to be personal. It's personal for him with you. And he wants it to be personal for you with him. And every time I read this, the Lord your God, I'm always like, man, I love the fact that it's personal for God. Like this is family for God. He cares about this. And he doesn't want any of us to take this lightly. Are you the kind of person who's taking it lightly? Are you allowing me to be the Lord, my wife's God, or the Lord, my husband's God, or who is the Lord, my parents' God, or my grandparents' God, or the Lord, my aunt's God, or the Lord, my child's God, or is it the Lord, your God? Because that's what God's really interested in. He cares about you. I mean, what more does God need to do to show you how much he cares? He sent his own son on a rescue mission just for you. I mean, I have a son. I mean, what it would take for me to be willing to send my son on a suicide mission to buy people back. You think it's not personal for God? I mean, it's deadly personal for him. 
What more does he need to do to show you that he cares so much for you? He'd go to the most extravagant lengths for you to be part of his family, for you to be able to experience the life you were created to live. So make it personal. Allow the Lord to make it personal for you. Now, again, it's this land. I love the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, that's a phrase that, you know, we don't think a whole lot about because we live in a day and age of supermarkets where you can, you know, you can buy honey and you go to the farmer's market, you can get, you know, all different types of milk and you get goat milk and unpasteurized goat milk and fat milk and not so fat milk. And you can get honey of all different types and sorts. But you got to realize in that culture, a land flowing with milk was a land that had great grazing land for cattle. Long before there was the dairy industry, a land that was good for grazing in the middle of the desert is an amazing thing. And flowing with honey, honey was the only sweetener. This was long before high fructose corn syrup and stevia, if you're a hippie or whatever your thing is, you know, and just good old fashioned, I like brown sugar, I like. Honey was the only sweetener. And a place where there's great grazing land and there's sweetener, it speaks of a a good land. An amazing place to be. Sounds an awful lot like the Pacific Northwest. Right? God's country, right where we live, right here. See, I love this. God's inheritance for his people is a good land. He He wants them to be blessed and safe and have all their needs fulfilled in this land that he's bringing. But part of this involves them honoring him and doing the things that he is saying, this is what I want you to be doing. Now, as we continue on, notice what it says in verse four. It says, therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan that on Mount Ebal, you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord, your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them, You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God and you shall offer peace offerings and shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. So when they go over, once they get to this place called Mount Ebal, which we're going to see once we get to the book of Joshua, there he wants them to set up an altar. Now notice, he doesn't want them to use hewn stones or iron tools. He wants it to be whole stones. Why? This is an important thing. You might say, well, why does God care about that? Because God never wants anyone to think it has to do with their work. Having whole stones. This is a rough altar now. This isn't all nicely ornate. This is a rough, because salvation has nothing to do with our effort. It has everything to do with God. And God did not want his people to think, yeah, man, the reason God accepts these sacrifices is because I did such a good job on the stonework. So when God puts those things, it seems inconsequential, but God is talking about something way greater. And he says, when you go there, I don't want any iron tools. I don't want you guys to, it's going to be whole stones. You're just going to pick up fine stones. You're going to put them together. It's going to be a rough altar. And there, I want you to do burn offerings and peace offerings. Now, what's beautiful is, of course, the burn offerings were sacrificed as unto God, totally consumed on the altar. And the fellowship offerings or the peace offerings were part of the communal meal. So there's things for God and things for the people. Now, you have to realize this. That's a great definition of the Christian life, isn't it? That there are parts of our lives that are purely for God. And there's part of it that's for us. Like I always say, when God redeems somebody, and that means to be bought back from slavery, just like the children of Israel, each one of us have been bought back if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, let me just say this. I bet there's some of you here today, you've never allowed Jesus to redeem you. I'm here to tell you that by the end of this year, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say, I want Jesus to buy me back. 
I want to experience this redemption. See, when you are redeemed, your life is a living sacrifice to God. You are his, right? But God also redeems you from something, and then he puts you into the family of God. We call it here family of faith. That everyone comes from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different educations, different parts of the world, but we come together, and God makes us a family. And so I love it. It's the sacrifice. The burnt offering is for God. It's all consumed on the altar. And then there's this fellowship offering and this peace offering that they get to break bread together. And that's the way God designed it. See, we live in a day and age where people like to say, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. And I would say, let me put it this way. If the church is the bride of Christ, if you say, I like you, I don't like your wife, what am I going to say? I'm going to be like, yo, peace. Now, I'm not saying that the church is perfect. The church is a bride in the process of being transformed by Jesus. So the church has got all sorts of issues, crossroads included. We're a bride being prepared for her wedding day. How many of you guys ever met Bridezilla before their wedding day? (laughs) On that wedding day, she's beautiful and everything's perfect, but leading up to it, look out. (laughs) Sometimes the people of God can be like Bridezilla. But in the end of the day, The people who have been born again are still the bride of Christ, the apple of his eye. So even though the church isn't perfect, God wants us to learn how to work through it all. That's one of the things I love so much about you guys here as the Crossroads family. We're all learning how to work through all this stuff together. Preferences and likes and dislikes and these things and all these things go on. But we're committed to saying we are going to let the Lord grow us through all this different stuff that goes on. And that's just life, isn't it? Life is learning how to grow through all the tension. But I love it. There's something for God, and there's something for the people. Now, what's also beautiful about these verses here is that, notice in verse 8, it says, and you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. Now, you notice, first he told him to write it on the stones, then he says, I want you to write it very plainly or clearly. Why? Because God actually wants to be understood. See, This is my thing, and this is something that's really passionate, and that's also part of what I believe God's calling on my life, is that I love so many Christian pastors. But, like, you have to have been in church your whole life to understand what the heck they're talking about. And I'm like, we need to make it plain for normal people. We need to take these amazing concepts, and we need to bake it down. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, like, I have people, they say to me, like, I love what God's doing at Crossroads, but I'm going to go over there because it's deeper. It's like, no, really what that means is that it's for people who've been in church their whole life. So they use all the big words. I don't use all the big words. I know them. But I'm like, who cares what the big word is? Everyone's just trying to figure out how to live their life. Jesus is real. God's not looking to trick us into following him. He's not trying to hide his plan from us using big words or complicated processes. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded us to keep our testimony of Jesus simple. Everyone deserves to learn about the truth of the Word of God, but we don't have to use big theological concepts to do it. God instructed Moses to write the commandments plainly for all to understand. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now, as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, 
your death on the cross and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will discuss curses and blessings found in the pages of Deuteronomy. The things addressed are difficult, but are designed to lift the children of Israel up to a higher standard of living. They needed to see that life with God was different, filled with respect and love for others. Now, this upcoming message will deal with some mature content and will not be suitable for young children. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Cause and Effect. Until next time, may God bless.